You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And not joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank is uh, on a travel day. As you know, uh, a lot of the times on Thursdays, Frank does not record with me, or Thursday nights, I should say, he does not record with me. So Fridays, uh, that means I am alone. And uh, that is not going to be the case today. Uh, I actually decided to book a guest uh decided to stop being lazy because that's typical well i shouldn't say lazy a lot of the times i don't have uh, a lot of lead time uh to know that i should be booking a guest and then just don't try to uh but this time i did i, I did book a guest and i'm very happy uh to announce the first official appearance he he, he appeared unofficially on the on the Thanksgiving Day podcast, but the first official appearance for my good friend and a writer for the Pick and Roll Australia, Kane Pittman. Hey, Kane. How you doing? Uh, you, you touched on it. I, I feel like this is a big uh, success success story for me after dipping my toes in the water in that little uh, guest <laughs> appearance. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought that went well. Uh, we got a little Aussie update, and uh, you know, now we're we're going to try to do the the whole thing here and really go for it. So uh, I'm really excited about that. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Kane has kind of joined us this year on the beat. uh, And he's obviously been very helpful to both Matt Velasquez and I, because, well, we... (laughs) <laughs> we get we get tired of asking questions sometimes and, and always need a, another helpful person. And Kane has been that this year. Uh, uh, Kane's also been hitting the road with us at times. Uh, Kane got to enjoy beautiful Indianapolis uh, with us. Uh, we had ourselves quite the lunch at Milk Tooth in Indianapolis the other day. And uh, Kane actually rode to and from. Indianapolis with me and I, I gotta say Kane we joked about it uh yesterday and this was before I knew whether or not I was gonna need uh, a partner tonight and we had joked I, I should just grab my computer and microphone and stick it on the dashboard of my car and uh then we could record a, a podcast on the way and who who knew that our four and a half hours of conversation really should have been recorded today yeah well I mean I I thought it was a good idea at the time, but um, when I think back now, I'm like, you know, that's a lot, that's a, that's, that's a long time to be in the car together, and I, I don't know, like, I feel like the conversation drifted into, you know, all, all types of areas, and I, I'm not sure if the people really want to hear that. Yeah, and, and I mean, even if you listen at two times speed, that's still longer yeah. than well, Bill Simmons' marathon podcasts with uh, 
with uh, Kevin Durant. So it, it was probably for the best that we didn't. But um, we'll get into Kane and kind of how he got here and, uh, you know, what he's all about uh, here in a little while. But, uh, I mean, while I have you here, I wanted to talk a little bit about last night's game. Uh, Bucks lose 113-97 to the Pacers. And, you know, I was kind of talking about it after the game. Uh, I know I mentioned it in a question with Eric Bledsoe, but, like, it did just feel like, that was the, you know, the Bucks have had bad games, but that just felt like the game where like everything kind of went wrong at the same time. Like the defense was really bad. The offense was really bad. Giannis was bad. Chris was bad. Um, their defensive rebounding was bad. Like it just felt like everything was bad against the Pacers. Yeah, it did. Uh, and, and you, you, I mean, all those things and, and more. It just seemed like the game was a struggle from the start and, there was really no stage uh, where the Bucks had any type of rhythm, uh, particularly offensively. Uh, it was just um, half-court basketball the whole time. Shots were, were just not falling. And all, all four of those starters outside of Bledsoe had, um, you know, they would be right up there for probably their, their worst offensive night uh, of the season. And I, I don't, I, I mean, I feel like when four or five starters have a night like that, it's not going to be a winning formula. Yeah, it seems pretty much impossible uh, if you have four or five really have some of the worst nights of the season. And it, it did just feel like every single time, you know, I would look to you or Matt on, on press row and be like, oh, you know, maybe that'll be the one that'll break them loose. It just felt like they would give up two straight baskets after it and whatever they had going would be gone. And there was just never really a moment. In it. And I mean, even the, the spot where you thought uh, they got it down to eight in the fourth quarter and immediately after miles Turner comes out and hits a three and it's just like, okay, well that's that. Like a, it's a wrap. And, you know, I think, kind of the thing that stands out from that game um, or I shouldn't, uh, I don't even know if it's necessarily stand out because there were so many bad things there, but um, you know, I think the first thing a lot of people are circling is Chris Middleton and his kind of extended slump that, that we've seen him in over the last seven or so games. I talked about it on today's podcast or I guess yesterday's podcast now. And then, um, you know, also on Twitter. And I guess I, I'm curious to, to get your thoughts on, on the slump. Well, I mean, four for eighteen last night, uh, zero for seven from three. It was it was sort of a continuation of what we've seen since, I guess, that New York game. And and uh, look, he he is he he can't, he can't make a shot right now. And I I feel like there was times last night where he got good looks, and he like he just needs to see one drop. And I think that you tweeted at one point where he had that little turnaround in the third quarter and it sort of bounced around the rim and finally dropped. You're like, is this going to be the thing to get him going? But he, he just couldn't. And he's definitely a rhythm player, and we've seen that over the past few years, that when he gets rolling, then he seems to he seems to be able to carry it through. And when he gets in a cold stretch, it can last for a week or two. But um, definitely that period from the New York game where he, you know, he, he by his own admission, he didn't come out... Uh, with his best effort, and then obviously he's had you know a few interruptions since then. Um, I think he's just struggling for rhythm right now offensively, and and 
uh, he, he definitely admitted that last night, but uh, I think <laughs> there were some interesting answers when we were, we were asking him how he was feeling, but I, I don't think he's even surprised. He's like, you know, this, this has happened to me before. If you're a Bucks fan, then you should know that this does happen at times, but uh, he hasn't lost confidence, but um, he, he just needs to see some shots go down. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was what was interesting was that, you know, we we talked about uh, in some of those answers, like Giannis mentioned, like, oh, you know, you got to make sure that Chris is confident and, and really believing. And it was just like, well, you know, he still took 18 shots. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he wasn't shying away uh, from those looks. And, and again, like, you know, maybe some of them weren't the best or maybe some of them were a little bit forced, but he still did take 18. And, you know, I think on the opposite end of that spectrum is Giannis, who really struggled last night and only took seven shots. And I, I mentioned on the podcast, but, you know, both those guys mentioned the idea that um, they, they didn't, really have a great rhythm. Uh, they are struggling at, at the moment to try to figure out what that, what that rhythm is. And, you know, it, it felt like, and I shouldn't say it even felt like both of them pretty much said, Chris, when I asked, you know, do you try to find a go-to look? He said, you know, I don't, I don't really get those looks anymore. Like I, I, I do have looks like that, but in the system, I don't really get them. And then, you know, when you talk to Giannis and, asking him about, you know, do you try to force some shots? Do you try to do, like, what are you trying to do to to get yourself going? And I, I think I asked something like, you know, when all you do is make the right pass, can you really find your 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 rhythm in a night? And he said, no, you can't. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, we we talk so much about this system. I know after the Raptors win, I was kind of lauding how how well it has worked out, and you know those those couple of possessions that kind of spoke to how well things can go when guys are being selfless and and moving the ball. But you know, in the same way, is there? Do you feel like there's some sort of limitation to their system? Is is there something that could potentially? Um, you know, hold guys down or, you know, extend slumps or um, lack of rhythm a, a little bit longer uh, this season? Uh, I mean, definitely the, in the, the last couple of losses, last night and uh, and also against the Warriors, the thing that are going to hold the Bucks back is if they're not making threes. And I know that's 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 very simple and there's, there's, there's probably more to it in how Chris is feeling about how he doesn't feel like he's able to get a rhythm. But the shots that Middleton was getting last night still feel like the same shots he was getting earlier in the season, but he just wasn't yeah. making them last night. So when if, if he if he wants to talk about like when you asked him about a go to shot for him early in the season, we spoke about. I don't mean like at the games we would see it a lot. He would back the ball out to half court and just walk into those threes all night long. He tried that a couple of times last night, but they're just not going for him at the moment. So. For Middleton specifically, he's not getting those uh, isolation possessions where he can back a guy down in the post and get that mid-range look that he was getting so often in the past. But I still feel like he's getting good looks. So while it's a different role for him um, personally, I still feel like all these guys are getting the shots that they would like to get. But the limitation for the offense is if you're not making shots, then it's never going to open up for Giannis in the paint because... I felt like the Warriors was a, on Friday night was the first time we really seen that super aggressive 
double, even before Giannis got the ball, they were they were putting bodies on him and making yep. sure that he couldn't do anything. And the only way to to like change that is if you can make threes, and on both nights they couldn't. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a scary prospect for this offense that on a night where it goes cold, they probably need to come up with something else because if they're not making shots, then Giannis is going to have a really tough time. Yeah, and uh, it. This kind of conversation that we had, uh, kind of mirror or that we're having right now, kind of mirrors the conversation we had last night after the game. And you know, you had brought up something. I think maybe you you talked with Justin Garcia uh, from Six Twenty WTMJ about it. But um, I think he's. You said that you were triggered by Justin asking, "What was it like? Can this team?" win games if they don't make more than 10 threes is that what it was yeah he he basically said is is the formula to beating the bucks simply keeping them to under 10 three point makes and and from that you you kind of said that you know you just started to think about like okay what it, what does it mean for this bucks team and you know what is making shots or not making shots and you know i think there is a, a larger existential philosophical question here where you know I think once you get to the playoffs, teams are going to do everything in their power to stop Giannis. They're just going to say, you know what? It's not happening. He's not getting to the basket. We're not going to allow that. Uh, we're going to build the wall, and it's going to be there the whole game. And, and he's just going to have to see that every time, and you're going to see that early help like the Warriors sent. You're going to see uh, the loading up that you saw the Pacers do. Uh, I think you're going to continue to see that. And, you know, I think where where it gets interesting is – just how committed you are to the idea of when that's the case, the only way to combat it is Giannis making the right play because, you know, Giannis keeps making the right play. And he said, even after the game last night, like that's always his goal. He's like, I'm going to keep making the right play. I got to keep my ego out of it. And, you know, I just got to keep being unselfish and getting everyone involved. And, you know, when he does that, that means the, the kind of control of the game is in some ways out of his hands. It's in the hands of his shooters to hit shots. And, you know, I think ultimately it becomes a spot where do you think in four out of every seven games, you're going to hit shots. Do you feel confident that in, in that sample size, because that's the sample size that matters seven games and every game or every series is going to be seven games in the playoffs. Like, do you believe that in those four games or in those seven games, there can be four games where you miss shots? Because if so, then, you know, you have to find a counter out of this. If not, then, you know, you can play the long game here and make sure that everyone understands exactly how you want to play. And everyone understands that this is the style of basketball that you, that you play as the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. And I think, so there's a couple of things to this, the way that I'm seeing it. And I know we spoke last night about this, that, that exactly what you just said, can you can you knock down shots? Can guys other than Giannis, who is the guy that you, you know, early in the season, I mean, dunking on everyone and, and sort of separating the bucks, you know, from everyone else because the guys have been shooting the threes, can those other guys shoot threes and allow him to do that four games out of seven? It's fine now to think about that in December. And if you lose a game against the Pacers last night, it's fine. It doesn't really matter. But when it comes down to that situation in April where you need to win four, that's a pretty scary proposition. But 
we haven't seen anything from Bud to suggest that he's like he's all in on this, and that's totally fine. But that from that conversation that I had with Justin, the thing that watching that game on Friday night that I thought about was Houston last year in the playoffs, <laughs> and I mean you can't have a worse game than that shooting three like whatever they missed like 27 I don't know whatever it was but if it comes down to game seven and that's what you're relying on the guys to shoot the three and you have to go by the percentage and the percentages tell you if they're getting open looks then you have to back them in to make it but it's still scary (laughs) it's really really scary that that is what you are relying on like that like that could be the season. If that's game seven in the playoffs, your season is riding on guys making threes. And, we, and not your guy. And not and not your star. Right. And that's that's the thing that that's the thing that's crazy. And I remember early in the season I asked Bud, and the, the reason why I asked him this was because that that the, the like the system that the Bucks are playing is exactly why I thought of the question. They were playing the sixes and I was I was sort of trying to tie the question to Giannis and um Ben Simmons, but I said, is it more important for Giannis to get this three, the three ball down pat and be a really consistent threat from the three-point line, or is it more important to surround guys around Giannis that can shoot the three? Because in years gone by, the Bucks couldn't play this system, I don't think, because they didn't have the amount of weapons they have now. Like, there's not one guy that's getting rotation minutes for the Bucks that can't shoot the three. So yep. they have 13 guys that they can swap through on any given night that can make the three. And but the thing is, they're going to need them all. Yep. So I, I mean, I just it's it's going to be interesting to see now that they've seen that like the teams have. Uh, gone this aggressive on Giannis this early I think is a good thing for the Bucks because now they can say okay well this is this is like this is what every team is going to do from the here on out and they they have the whole season to try and work that out but it's um I mean like you said when it's not the guy that you're relying on to hopefully unlock your offense to win games it's scary yeah and, and I'm I am really curious to see if there's you know as this happens obviously I think as Bud mentioned the post game like you know, no matter what he wants, Giannis making the right plays and uh, involving his teammates. And that's more important than anything else. So obviously he wants that, but I'm also curious, you know, is, are there counters that this team finds where it's like, okay, they're going to do this. They want Giannis to give up the ball right away. Let's find another way to get him involved. And last night I, I thought really what they went to was him as a screener, as a screener and, and trying to unlock him in that way and lock him as a role man or, you know, try to find different ways to go about that. And, you know, I, I wonder if if they know teams are going to play him like that, that it immediately becomes, okay, let's go straight to those counters that are going to get Giannis looks at the rim, clean looks at the rim that somehow involve a different action, a screening action, something like that. But um, yeah, this is, I wasn't quite ready for, I think all both you and I and Matt Velasquez to kind of come to this realization, but you know, there is, there is some greater thought that, you know, certainly Bud has had this before. He's, he's certainly thought all of this through, but you know, to us, it was just kind of like, okay, the you are 
20, what, 27 games into the season. Uh, you're over 25% of the way there. Um, so I guess you're a third of the way there, right? 27, 54, 81. So yeah, about a third of the way there. Um, so you're, you're a third of the way through the season and you know, you're, you're kind of faced with this dilemma and you're going to be able to use the final two thirds of the season to, I think, work through many of those things. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch. So, um, that was last night's game. Kane, I wanted to talk to you uh, or have you talk to all of us a little bit about kind of what you're all about, who you are, how you got here. And um, I think that's a good way to spend the the final third or so of this podcast. Uh, obviously, I think people have gotten to hear your voice a, a little bit uh, just through post-game, pre-game, uh, stuff like that. Obviously, they got to hear your voice a little bit on your first, uh, uh, I don't even know, test appearance uh, your your dry run here on lockdown bucks um but i guess when when thinking uh, more about you um let's let's start with uh where you come from i know this is really going to come as a uh, as a shocker to some people <laughs> well uh i'm from uh, okay so normally i would just say i'm from melbourne australia but if you know we've got some time here so i can get into this specific- we do i'm i'm from geelong which is a uh, coastal town. Uh, it's like I can I can drive to Melbourne in forty five minutes. So it's just down the highway from uh, Melbourne, which um, is in the south southeast coast of Australia. So I've lived there my whole life um, until two months ago, uh, <laughs> where I moved to uh, a place that is, uh, is probably familiar to a lot of people, and I've spent a lot of time here over the past few years. Uh, so I moved to Milwaukee to cover the Bucks uh, for this season, for the pick and roll and whatever else comes up. Uh, unfortunately, my uh, percentage of Australians has uh, been cut in half uh, in Milwaukee. <laughs> so, um, you know, there was, some, there was some pretty genuine concern that I would be uh, moving to Cleveland last, uh, uh, last Friday. So, but I'm going to hang around to annoy Thon. Um, but I did say to Tom, I'm like, listen, I'm like, don't get traded because I just like signed a six month lease to Milwaukee. And, <laughs> uh, and seriously, like, unless uh, I can, I can find some employment in Milwaukee, it's going to make things a little awkward. Yeah, no, it certainly would. Uh, Kane though, you are a star. Uh, you did just have things printed in the, in the Herald Sun, right? Yeah. Did it, did I get that right? Yeah. So like it, the trade, even though being, uh, something that is going to, you know, cut the, the Aussie population on the roster in half. Uh, it was like, you know, you kind of first, your, I shouldn't say your first, but your largest moment. Cause obviously you were very famous with your, uh, your Greg Popovich interaction, which we can talk about here shortly. But, uh, that was like, you know, your, your big, uh, your big like newspaper debut. It was, it was the first time. Well, actually, you know, I mean, I'm going to have to wait. Uh, I'm probably not going to be in Australia for, you know, I'd say another five five months or so. So I'm gonna have to wait to see it uh, in person. But it was it was the first time I had my words in uh, in the newspaper, which was cool. And uh, it was just I guess it was kind of ironic that I was here 
sort of following those guys around and the rest of the Bucks, but sort of talking to Dully for a while and there was no interest in Australia. And then the second he gets traded, people are like, oh, you're in Milwaukee? Uh, you, reckon you, can, you can get that story? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, I can do that. So it was funny the way it worked out, but... Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, that was that was a cool thing. We were we were speaking today, like newspapers, are sort of. Uh, I mean, it's kind of an old school an old school thing. It's like I've never had any words printed in a newspaper. Yeah, never. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 all online these days, and everything I've done has always been online. So um, it was kind of it was it was a cool thing. I, I actually didn't know it was going to be in the paper, so. Uh, I had some friends back home, and my parents were extremely uh, overly excited. They may they may have taken the day off work. I'm not sure. They, they seem <laughs> they seem like they were really fired up about it. So yeah, it was cool. It was a cool thing. All right. Um. So I, I guess kind of going through some stuff. I think the the first question would be, um, you know, how why? Uh, I'm actually not sure if it's how, why, or what, but you know why why the Milwaukee Bucks was it a deli thing were you a Bucks fan beforehand like how did how did that all come to be so I uh so we're going a fair way back here and I never I would never claim to be a Bucks fan for that Eastern Conference Finals run just because I was the true definition of what you would call a bandwagon fan for that but I did like one of the first ever NBA games I ever seen was the Bucks in the playoffs uh, in that in that year playing Charlotte and oh. and I was like yeah honestly Ray Allen I I just so I'd watched like a, a bit of NBA so, I mean I was pretty young back then I was I, I would have been eleven probably eleven twelve years old so I, I'd seen highlights I guess but watching Ray Allen play I guess that sort of like that jump shot sort of sucked me in. And I was like, all right. I'm like, I'm cool with Milwaukee. They look like they're a pretty good team. <laughs> now, little, little did I know that that like first few games was going to be the absolute peak of my Bucks fandom <laughs> <laughs> for the next 17 years. But um, you know, I, I jumped on them, and I, I've always it's always been the case. Like if I pick a team, I'm like, that's it. I'm like, I'm not moving for anything. So. But it worked out well. I mean, I was a big Andrew Boga fan, um, and then they've, they've always had a bit of an Australian connection. But yeah, definitely Ray Allen uh, was the initial trigger for me to get on the box. That that's crazy. That that would be the time in like the place that you were like, I got to pick a team, and this is the team. And yeah, the, you, you get the absolute peak of Bucks basketball from, I mean, the moment that I was alive, like, so, I mean, I guess at least you didn't have to like suffer up until that point. You just got like the good stuff and then, you know, got the bad stuff with everyone else, but at least like, you know, your first couple of moments were, were really good stuff. So um, <laughs> that's just hilarious that that's kind of uh, how, how it worked out. But uh, that's good that you share a, a love of Ray Allen with so many people. Um, okay. So let's see. Uh, let, let's talk about like sports in general. How did you, you know, grow a love for sport? Um, how did you like come to, I mean, come to think like, oh, basketball. Uh, I should, 
you know, write things and report about basketball? Like how, how does that, how does that happen to you? Well, I, I mean, I was always, I was always sports sort of, sort of mad from when I was, when I was uh, younger. I played Australian football from when I was, I mean, I started playing Australian football when I was probably six years old and played right through till, um, I'm trying to think, uh, I mean, I would have played until I was 23. I, um, I tore my ACL three times, long, long story short, I tore my ACL three times. So by the time, by the time that it happened the third time, I decided that I'm like, look, I'm like, you know, this isn't, you're not making millions of dollars here. Um, <laughs> you're going through a lot of pain for, and it's really unnecessary. I'm like, let's 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 just hang up the boots and move on to other things. So I, I called called time on my Australian football career, and then I was like, all right, well, I can't play sport. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I was already at that point. I mean, I was watching you know during the NBA season, which is kind of tough to follow in Australia because all the games are you know, in the morning, nine, nine, ten o'clock in the morning. So mm-hmm. if you've got a job, it like makes things tough. But um, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to start, uh, yeah, writing about basketball. And I was uh, writing for the pick and roll. And I was fortunate enough through the pick and roll to get uh, my first sort of taste of uh, media experience Covering Bucks games uh, last season, I, I was on the West Coast trip and I did a couple of games there. And then I was going to say I was fortunate enough to be in Boston for Game One and Two last year, but <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, at the time, yeah, it's it's debatable. Yeah, it's it was my first real lesson in the fact that if you're going to work, you know, in this industry, then you need to try and understand that your team could potentially lose in heartbreaking fashion and you still have to go ahead and do your job. So sure. Um, so that was my first real taste. And then just through those guys, they were like, they said, listen, we have freelance opportunities. If, you, if this is something that you want to do and you want to go over there and try and um, take this on or give it a season, then, then you can do that. So I sort of... I was thinking about this for a long time. It was probably, um, yeah, it was, it was around a year that I was thinking about whether this was something that I really wanted to do. And in the end, I'm just like, look, I'm going to do it. And as soon as I decided that I was going to do it and I quit my job back home and was ready to come, I pretty much didn't sleep for a month before <laughs> I left. And pretty much all day, every day, I was just like thinking that I it was just – I just I couldn't figure out in my head what I was actually doing. I'm like, you, you you don't have a job, and you're just like going over there, and you're just gonna cover the box all season in the hope that something comes up. But anyway, I've come over here, and it's um, it's been a lot of fun so far, and the team's really good. So uh, I don't I don't I don't regret my decision. I think that's fair to say. I mean, that's really good to hear, um, and. You know, if you regretted that decision, it would be a, a real shame that you have to spend a, a four-hour car ride with me or uh, hang out with me as I babble on. So I'm happy uh, that you're that you're feeling that way. Um, all right. So how you got here? Uh, talked a little bit about basketball. How you how you landed on the Bucks? Um, 
while you've been here, uh, what have you most enjoyed? Uh, obviously, I, I would assume uh, the moment of having you know your stuff printed in in the Herald Sun would be a big one. But is there like it, is it the Popovich stuff? Like I feel like that also had to be quite enjoyable for you. Yeah, I think I think there's like uh, I think there's moments like that where because I mean you get into the so. If I go back like four or five years ago when – so the first time I ever came to Milwaukee was in 2015 when the Bucks were playing the Bulls in the playoffs. First time I ever came to Milwaukee, uh, first time I ever seen the Bucks live. And when I think then about how excited I was just to like be in the Bradley Center and like be, you know, watching the team to then a few years later, so covering the team and then how quickly that becomes like normal. It's like, then it, it, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And you're just like, okay, well, this is like what I'm doing. And this is like my job and this is this is what I do. And it, it does become normal. But then things like the Popovich thing and, I mean, we all, I, I feel like all three of us had a really fun, I mean, we had a really fun pre-game with Popovich. It was, I mean, I walked away from that. And I was like, you know what, this game is going to be pretty cool, but that that pregame pretty much made my night anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it, for and again, I, it's almost a shame that the whole thing didn't get televised, but uh, for anyone who wasn't there um, or didn't kind of hear this story regaled, like, uh, started off with Matt Velasquez asking a little bit about uh, Bud and kind of, you know, what, what goes through Pops every time he coaches against him and... You know, he who was very dry, very sarcastic, and and very short with that, and said, "Well, well he's terrible." Like, and I, I don't, I don't even, you know, whatever. He's just a guy. And then he, Matt, like pushed a little bit more, and our friend Katie George hopped in, and everyone tried to get something out of him. And you know, he's like, "Okay, guys, what you know? What do you want me to do? You want me to pull out a a picture of him in my wallet and?" you know, show all of you guys that. And okay. So like that was him getting Matt. Uh, and that, that was quite enjoyable. And then, uh, I think Kane in many ways to break the ice decided to ask a question about Patty Mills. And, uh, as he was asking the question, uh, Greg Popovich cut him off and, you know, mentioned, well, you know, your accent, that doesn't have anything to do with why you'd be asking about Patty Mills. Huh? And, Kane, to, I would say to your credit, you you were pretty quick witted, and said no. I was just trying to get a question in about Patty before everyone else did, and then Pop ran with that one and said, "Okay, anyone else? If you're asking, if you were going to ask a, a Patty Mills question, please raise your hand right now." Uh, so so that was pretty good. Uh, ultimately, called you a selfish reporter uh, for only asking the question that you want. Yes. Well, you know that it's kind of stuck with me as well. You know, people. People label me selfish a lot now, and it's, it's kind of it's kind of tough to take. But you know, when I think about, I'm like, I, I can't argue with Popovich. I guess at the end of the day, so I guess I just have to accept it and move on. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, I guess let's see. Uh, I guess I would have been the last one to get it. It was after you know I thought we we kind of had him had him rolling a little bit after he was uh, a little cold and short to start with, and. Uh, you know, he, he went on one of his, uh, his anti three point, uh, tangents where he was talking about how, you know, for years he hasn't liked the, the three pointer and, you know, it's not something that, 
you know, he, he thinks it makes the game look good. And I think everyone's heard his rant at this point. Uh, and being the, being the smart ass that I am, I asked, well, you know, has that been a, a topic of, of tension of, uh, or a source of tension between you and bud. And he immediately goes, Oh no, 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 no. This has nothing to do with bud. Uh, you know, and then he's like, I, I'm going to, he's like, I, you're going to have to get a job in politics with the way that you're trying to start stuff between us two or something like that. And yeah, no, I, I thought the same thing. I like, got, none of us were spared. All of us got some of it. And I think in the end, we, we all ended up, uh, I think, enjoying our experience. Uh, we would have to ask Matt for sure, but I do think all three of us ended up enjoying it. And again, uh, just kind of a fun thing. But, you know, the thing you said earlier about how all of this becomes normal really quickly, it, it's just that's 100% true. I, I still remember like the first game I covered. Um, you know, I, I was thinking. I think I actually was thinking about it tonight because someone asked me about it at uh, the book signing talk. I don't know what it was that I did at Boswell books tonight, but you know, someone had asked about kind of all of that. And, you know, I just remember thinking, Oh wow. I'm three feet away from Jason kid. And I'm asking Jason kid questions about playing point guard in the NBA or whatever it was. And then, you know, the, at the end of the night, I was like, shit i just did that 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 that's crazy and then you know the next game you walk in you're like oh yeah this is my job yeah this is this is what i do now and then like it it all kind of starts to i don't want to say fade away like yeah, i do still very much appreciate my job and love what i'm doing but you know it it does become normal and it's just weird that something so unique and so different, I think couldn't can become normal so quickly. Well, I think it's also better for everyone because I know when the first couple of times I was there, I was like, I was trying to like figure out in my head uh, the fact that I was. So the first game I ever covered was the Bucks and Clippers last year at Staples Center, and I was I was trying to figure out in my head that I was what I was trying to ask Doc Rivers and. Then I was also trying to figure out in my head how I was standing like right in front of Doc Rivers about to ask him a question. And I think, I mean, I think what I said sort of was somewhat coherent, but (laughs) I would like to think that I've got to a better point now where my, you know, complete rambling questions are still happen. But a little less uh, frequent, I think. I think I feel more comfortable, which I think is also important for everyone else. Uh, I, I will say I don't think I ever feel comfortable with my <laughs> questions. Uh, but I, I know that I have a I have a penchant for uh, long questions that make everyone in the group wait for me to actually spit it out of my mouth. And sometimes, well, I'm doing the Michael Scott trying to find the end of the sentence as I start it. Um, but, you know, I, I think that that's just kind of how it goes. So um, I think I'll, I'll leave it there for now. I would guess, uh, you know, with, with uh, Frank being out on... Fridays a lot of the time and you know with you being on the road from uh from time to time and with you being in five serve form from from time to time I would kind of guess that there would be you know some Thursday night games coming up on the schedules that you know maybe we'll have Kane join us again and uh you know if I know ahead of time maybe we can have some people on Twitter give us some ask 
arcane questions and see what they're curious about. But I think that's a good base. You you feeling okay with that, Kane? Yeah, I'm happy with that. It's uh, it's um, a big pro- progression from last time. And I, I actually, I just want to say, I think the big thing that people need to understand that we're in the car together today for at least five hours. So I think the fact that you still invited me onto a podcast later on in the night <laughs> is a good sign for our friendship. I just want to say, I think that's positive. Um, yeah. Or some people might say I'm desperate for content, but either way, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Uh, very happy to have Kate on and obviously enjoying, uh, my time and getting to introduce him to steak and shake in middle of yeah. nowhere, Indiana. That was uh, a delight that I don't think I will ever forget. So thank you so much, Kane. And thank you to all of you for listening. Hopefully you enjoy this Friday version uh, the Frankless Friday version of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. For Frank Men, for Kane Pittman, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.